Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. of Divorce Redefined. It is so nice to be with you again this week. And if this is your first time tuning in with us, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. On this show every week, if you haven't joined us before, we dig into a topic that many of us feel uncomfortable about, a topic that's highly stigmatized in our society, and a topic that triggers even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side. And that is the topic of divorce. So if you've been following me for a while and listening to my social media and listening to my show, you will know how passionate I am about changing the experience of divorce. I truly believe that changing the experience of divorce is a movement, and you don't have to be going through divorce to be supportive of this movement. I truly believe that if we can get more education, more resources, better professionals in front of you, those who need it and who are going through hard times like divorce, we can approach this in an entirely different way. And when we do that, we have the chance of changing the entire foundation of our marriages and our relationships. So because I'm so passionate about that, I have created this space for you. This is a non-judgmental, safe place for you to just show up, listen, learn, take little bits of information away from you that can help your situation or can help someone that you know. It's okay to get messy. It's okay to be uncomfortable. But above all, this place is for you to feel like you are not alone. Because we're going to have some hard conversations sometimes, and we're going to learn together because really we are all on this journey of better, bettering ourselves and supporting each other while doing it. And today we have a really amazing guest and topic that I find people often ask me about, and that is family mediation. You know, one of my roles as a divorce coach is to educate you and inform you on all of your options in divorce. And People often ask me, you know, what exactly is family mediation? And family mediation can take different forms, and it is one of the many different options that you can choose going down the path of divorce. It is actually one that I really encourage people to do for a variety of reasons that you'll learn today. But it is an alternative to the traditional lawyer-led litigation process. So in family mediation, you have a specially trained professional known as your mediator, who helps you and your ex-spouse negotiate all your family issues, such as dividing up your stuff, support, the children, the family home, and then coming to a mediated agreement. So a lot of people also think, you know, okay, so family mediation means no lawyers, right? Well, yes and no. So one of the benefits of family mediation is that it allows you and your spouse to choose if and how much you want to involve lawyers. So you can really, what the benefit I like about mediation is that you can definitely be in control of your divorce. And it's about letting your divorce stay in your hands, which I find can sometimes get out of your hands when it becomes lawyer driven. So it brings the the power back to you and your family. And most importantly about mediation, it's about controlling costs and not letting legal fees get so high and out of hand because that can happen very easily, I learned the hard way, and very quickly. 
So I want to get into this today and let's talk about mediation. And I want to introduce you to my guest. Courtney Young is a mediator and arbitrator at ADR Partners in Reno, Nevada. She is also a court-appointed special master for high-conflict couples. And Courtney's approach to to dispute resolution, I'm tongue-tied today, combines years of litigation experience with a pragmatic problem-solving style. So she's spent over a decade with the litigation and trial team at Chapman Law Firm, one of Nevada's premier dominant and real property law firms. And she's been a young key player in ADR litigation where she practices closely to ensure that each case is well prepared for trial. She really focuses on dispute resolution that can stay out of court. And so I'm excited to have her here today to talk about mediation and to get you more informed and in how this works for you. So welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you. I'm happy to be with you. Yeah, it's so awesome to have you. I feel like we were just chatting before the show how we we met probably a year ago, you know, as mm-hmm. I was building my business and saw you online and felt that, you know, your approach really resonated with me in terms of how you really put the families first in their divorce process. And I think we share the same mindset of trying to change this whole experience of divorce. Absolutely. And I think that mediation, when you talk about um, changing divorce and the way that it's approached or how it impacts people, mediation really is a good way to uh, to accomplish that. It's a much gentler alternative to litigation. Um, and as you've mentioned um, you know, previously, it also provides a space for uh, people to re- have ownership over the outcome of their divorce, which I think is really important. You know, sometimes I, I have talked to clients and I, I started to think back about what it must feel like when somebody else is telling you what you have to do with your own life. And this may be a, ter- a terrible analogy, but I started to think about what it must feel like for you know a toddler to just have somebody come and pick them up and move them all over the place, all over right. the place. Maybe they want to go there. Maybe they don't want to go there, but they are definitely at this space where they have um opinions and thoughts about where they want to be and somebody else is controlling that for them. Mm-hmm. And so it really helped me think through the divorce process and how that may feel if you are solely relying on a judge um, or maybe somebody else to tell you how this is going to go. You really start to feel um, helpless mm-hmm. and mediation can really be the answer um, to, to that. And I think when you start to feel empowered and you feel in control of the outcome, then you can um, you can address the situation uh, in a head-on fashion and make sure that, that everybody is um, getting their needs met. Yeah. And I think it's so important to learn because everyone thinks, you know, for, right away, okay, we're getting a divorce. The first thing I need to do is get a lawyer. And, you know, not being said, I think lawyers are super important. They're key to the process. You do need independent legal advice, but you don't necessarily need them to start your negotiation process right out of the gates, you know, depending on certain factors. But before we get into those factors and really showing people what mediation looks like and how it can be used. Tell us how you got into this in the first place. Um, So I took sort of a, um, I don't know, non-traditional path to arriving at mediation. 
Um, I started my work in uh, at a law firm as a secretary two days a week, um, helping um, with the law firm's day-to-day business and things like that. And it was over a very long period of time that I started to take on different roles in the firm um, and, and really increase my knowledge. I was fortunate at that point to have an employer who invested in my education um, and really made sure that I would be set up for success. But not only did he financially invest in my education, my legal education, um, what he did was invest personally in me and my success by making sure that the decisions that he was making, the cases that he was working on, I got to have a front row seat to that. And I was very much a part of that process. So um, traditionally, uh, I then became a litigation paralegal. And I did that job for a number of years. And I found that I wasn't feeling fulfilled um, after doing that job for uh, more than a decade. So I went to my employer at the time and I explained this to him. And another attorney in the office also thought that it would be important that maybe I should consider mediation. And I will tell you, sometimes people can see things in you that you don't really Mm -hmm. see in yourself because Mm -hmm. I thought that was an insane idea. The mediators that I knew were lawyers, and not only were they lawyers, but they were retired judges. They were Supreme Court justices. I mean, they they were very impressive people. Right, big Um, wigs. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. And I knew enough to know that I was interested in mediation. Um, So I, I took the... Um, opportunity to uh, take the education. So I went and I did that. And for me, as one of my mentors, who is a fantastic international mediator, um, but he said, you know, once you're bitten by the bug, it's kind of hard to let it go. And for me, that was certainly, certainly true. So in 2014, after I got my first credentialing, I went um, and I tried to get as much experience as I could. And that meant that I worked for free for a lot of a lot of years, um, but mediation is something that I am so passionate about. It gives me the professional autonomy that I was looking for. But in addition to that, it helped me realize that I have an opportunity to make a meaningful um, impact on people's lives, and I personally do not like conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has a different conflict style, especially given the circumstances that they're in. We have a different conflict style at work than we have at home with our partners or with our children or with our friends. Everybody shows a, a little bit of a different conflict style. Um, so I know it would seem strange that I would choose a career where I was putting myself in the middle of people's conflict. <laughs> what I realized, though, is that I'm not alone in not particularly favoring it. And it's so stressful. It um, starts to take over your whole life and mm. it consumes your mind. And it physically, we know that it causes um, additional issues. You know, it you can physically succumb to the pressures of stress. Um, And so what I wanted to do first and foremost was to help people to not feel that way. Um, What I realized after, especially where family mediation is concerned is that the people who benefit the most, of course, are clients, but they're the children. Mm -hmm. And 
that early on was a reason children were a reason I decided I didn't want to be in family mediation because it was very difficult. Um, but that soon changed when I realized the, <clears throat> the benefit that mediation would have on the family as a whole. Right. So. And it, yeah, really, it really does. And it makes sense when you said, you know, it does make sense when you say you don't like conflict because you're not you're not being a lawyer. You're not trying to initiate, you know, instigate more more fighting. Not to say that lawyers do that all the time. There's all not everyone does. I'm gonna just, you know, put that disclaimer out there for sure. But you know, when you are conflict diverse, you like to be able to try to bring skills to the table that minimize that conflict. So that makes so much sense, you know, and a lot of mediators like yourself are very skilled in those techniques and strategies that can help couples communicate. You know, I've heard a lot that mediators can actually help a high conflict or higher conflict couple learn how to communicate better during the process. So for you, you know, who ends up coming to mediation and at what point would people make that decision to say, okay, we're getting a divorce. Maybe we have lawyers, maybe we don't yet. At what point is that, is mediation sort of a good next step? Sure. So I think that, In my own practice, what I typically see are a couple of different things. I I see either couples who have made the decision that they want to divorce and they have decided for whatever reason that they want to go to mediation. Generally, the reasons that are presented to me for wanting to go to mediation are it, it's fast. Um, we talked about it being cost effective and people. And I, I agree with you that, it you know, we're not putting lawyers in these blanket statements or, you know, things like that. But generally speaking, one of the things that society at large understands is that litigation is very expensive. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes, you know, when you reach out to a family attorney and you ask what their rates are, you know, most often they're going to tell you that they would require a retainer. And in that situation, that can be a lot to um, deter somebody from feeling like they want to go down that path. Um, So I also, so that's the sort of the pre-litigation clients that come to me and they have their various reasons for wanting to do it. Other times um, I generally handle divorces that are for high net worth um, clients. And sometimes they have um, jobs that they would prefer to not get involved in lengthy public litigation. Mm-hmm. There's always the option to seal your proceedings um, if you're, you know, through litigation. But sometimes that's a motivator as well, is that there's something that has happened in the um, decision that that led to the decision to get a divorce, or maybe they work for an institution that does not really favorably view divorces, you know, things like that. So mediation can be a very good way to do that. Um, But mediation is really good at any stage, I would say. So even if you've hired counsel and um, there's an opportunity to mediate, um, I think that's always an option. And so that is the other way that I get clients, you know, uh, lawyers will call me and say, Hey, we have this case. It's either been going on for way too long. We need to get that settled. We have an upcoming trial. There's some risk on both sides. We kind of need to look at, um, sometimes I do get attorneys who say, you know, frankly, these 
clients just cannot afford to litigate mm-hmm. this, this case. And so we want to, we want to mediate. So the only thing that I would ever caution somebody against, of course, there are situations where mediation is not appropriate, um, which would be situations of domestic violence, things like that. And, and mediation can still be a good option for them, but um, that needs to be handled by somebody who is uh, trained in that area and can take the appropriate measures. But there are some instances where the court um, is really the best option. Um, mm-hmm. in that. But um, otherwise, in the U.S. at least, um, you don't lose your rights and remedies if you try mediation. So if you try mediation and it's unsuccessful, you can continue on with your action. And I would say that in some circumstances, you know, you may try mediation and it erodes trust to a critical point where further mediation wouldn't be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but barring that, you can also try mediation several different times. You know, um, I would encourage everybody to think about what successful mediation looks like. And that may not be that you've reached an agreement, but you've possibly learned more about your case. You've learned more about the position that the other sides are taking. You've uncovered um, additional documents or emails that need to be done, or maybe you've made a um, partial agreement. So for instance, in Nevada specifically, alimony is an area that has a lot of gray area, so to speak. And so if that's a particularly um, risky area for, uh, for couples, maybe we resolve alimony and maybe there are some other more straightforward issues that you just are comfortable taking to the judge. Mm-hmm. And that, that's absolutely um, appropriate. So, you know, I would encourage people to think about mediation in terms of its success, um, not only in being able to resolve the entirety of the case, but how much progress you're able to make, you know, mm-hmm. through yeah. And I, I love that. I love that, that mindset because there's different styles of mediation out there where you see, where you see couples can come to mediation and just hire the mediator without their legal representation. There's people that come with their lawyers to mediation and lawyers do a lot of that talking and, and the mediator shuttles back and forth between rooms. Um, and then sometimes I've seen, I mean, I, I experienced this myself where you literally are booked for like a whole day of mediation and you don't get out of there. It's almost like until someone gives up, right? Like that whole, like the last man standing type of thing. And by then you are so, you know, blurred and exhausted. You have no idea even what you're agreeing to at the end of the day, but all you need to know is you're finding that there's so much pressure to get this done, to be finished. Mm -hmm. Um, That style of mediation, I find like terrible, like that's a terrible mediation experience, but I see better mediation experiences where they'll break it up into chunks. Like we're only going to mediate certain topics. Like today is going to be the spousal support or alimony or child support. Today's going to be the the parenting issues, or, you know, now we're going to talk about the assets. And so you don't have to go in with like your entire life is on the table and you've got to solve it in like 12 to 18 hours, maybe 24, like these horror stories also of mediation and even my own experiences. Um, can be so, you know, um, intimidating, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, the styles that, you know, you're talking about or the approach to it. I think, you know, for me, I try and look at each unique situation and try and understand what, um, what will be beneficial, um, uh, for the, the couple. Sometimes I often refer to divorce, 
proceedings in general, but, you know, obviously I'm dealing with it in terms of mediation. It's a lot like that act where you have, you know, 30 spinning plates going at mm. the same time because things do tie to each other. They, right. de- it depends, you know, it matters um, what you've determined in terms of your custody arrangement that ties directly to um, your child support and um, division of assets and debts will help you inform your decision on alimony. And so mm-hmm. there are so many different things if that's an issue. And so there are so many different things at play that breaking it up is my preferred approach. The issue to be aware of if you take that approach is that it can be very difficult to regain momentum, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of neutrals and their their and counsel and parties prefer that sort of marathon day that you're talking about. When I have those sessions that are set for a full day, what I try to do is make sure that everybody remains comfortable, is taking the breaks that they need. I'm never going to say that, no, you we're not going to go have lunch. We're, you know, I'm not going to starve you out of the mediation. I'm not going to switch you out of the mediation by putting you in an incredibly hot room. <laughs> like I'm not mm-hmm. going to do those things. But what I always tell everybody is that you really have to be comfortable with the deal that you're making. This is the time to think it through and to talk about the possibilities and the options. Um, But once this deal gets inked and the judge signs off on it, it becomes very difficult. It's not impossible, but it becomes very difficult to go back and have that undone. So I certainly want everybody to feel like they have all of their facilities and they're able to make these decisions because Mm -hmm. it's very important. Um, But that's where in those marathon sessions that you're talking about, I think there's really a lot of value in having counsel there. Um, Somebody else who is familiar with the area who can help you guide that decision making. So I do think that that's really, um, really important. Yeah. So there are, you know, two options, right? You can come to mediation just as a couple and, you know, use you, use you on their own without their lawyers, right? Or they can come with representation. And so how would you decide which would be better for you? So I think it has to do with your comfort level. The other thing that I also there's possibly a third option that I always make sure that everybody is aware of is that if you come to mediation without legal counsel, you can get legal counsel at any point during the process. Mediation is a voluntary process. And so that also means that anybody can stop at any time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so determining what's right for you would, I think, is guided by conversations with the mediator as well. Um, Sometimes what clients will ask me, they'll ask me, you know, what am I entitled to? Or what are, you know, um, what's the law on this? And, And I will never give an answer on that. I can tell you what I've had prior clients do, um, of course, without revealing confidential information, but, you know, some clients do this or some clients do that. But if those are the questions that you have, then it would be very appropriate. And and I would actually um, require them to get an attorney before I would get involved. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would note is that if you've made the determination that you're going to come to a mediation without counsel, I always recommend that before you sign that final deal, that you have an attorney review it. And that's part of my process. Process. It's something that I think is very um, powerful. I think it's um, it it helps to have another set of eyes. It helps to have another layer of somebody to say, you know, are you this is what you agreed to? This is what the law says. Um, because of course, you can make agreements in mediation 
um, as long as uh, everybody has full and access disclosure, you know, disclosure of the details. And it's something that you guys agree to. We want to make sure that it's equitable, um, you know, in, in that space too. But I think it really depends on what your ultimate goals are. Um, cost saving, though, I will say is not always the best reason to mm-hmm. form hiring quality professionals, because this yeah. is something you absolutely want to get right. Yeah. And, and you see that, I mean, divorce is expensive on all levels. And so you do see people try to preserve their costs or, you know, I can't spend too much because I'm worried about the overall cost. And that it's really important to be mindful of where your expenses are, but at the same time, you know, divorcing properly and well does take a team. It takes people on your side to give you all the right information. And yes, it might seem like you're spending all of this, this money at once. And it's going out to all these different people. Those people have certain roles in your process that they can't, one person can't do all of. And so you want to make sure to have those professionals that are on your side, that are giving you the right information that are specific to you and who specialize in those certain areas, you know, like the law, you know, you are doing a special, a unique role between the couples. You want to have someone who deals with finances. You want to have someone who helps with your emotional situation through it all. And, and maybe the parenting and the kids piece as well. Like to me, the way that we can process divorce in a better way today is to change the mindset that it takes just a lawyer to do it for you. You know, it does take a bunch of people. (laughs) I completely agree. I would say that if you're looking to save costs, the place to do that isn't in the professionals that you retain. um, But the place to do that is in being and taking a realistic approach to settling your case and making concessions and agreements and, um, and then doing a lot of the preparation that you can do on your own you know, gather the financial documents, do those things, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But those are ways that you can save money. And that is and and being reasonable when it comes to what you think you can reasonably expect to return in terms of the agreements. And so that's the way to save money here. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't ever advise that you skimp on a professional because even uh, doing that, you know, generally, it means that you end up spending more in the long run anyways. It's true. And, you know, you have this one chance and you don't want to drag it out forever. And you really, like you said, once you create this agreement, it's hard to go back and undo it. So really take your time to get the right information to do the right thing the first time so that you aren't dragging this out and changing your mind over and over and over again. So when we come back from the break, let's go into um, more of that and how people can be prepared for mediation. And then even some of the common myths that are around mediation today. So um, I'm here with Courtney Young, mediator at ADR Partners, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. 
Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Divorce Redefined. Today, we are talking about family mediation because I know it is a question that I get so, so many questions about. And I do a lot of work with clients so that they can understand that this is one of the many options that they have. And it could be the right option for you. So with me today is Courtney Young. She is a mediator and arbitrator at ADR Partners in Reno, Nevada. And we are talking about, you know, the benefits of family mediation, what it looks like, how it can work for you. And just on the break, we were talking about how I think there's this perception when you go into divorce that you need to let your process be in the hands of, of let's say, the lawyer, and you don't have a lot of control of it when in actual fact, you have entire control over the direction that your divorce can go. Yes, you can't control the other side, but you do have a lot of say in terms of how you operate through this process. And Courtney, I know that you agree with that with that kind of point, right? It, it is your process. Your, it is your process. You can be in control of it. Yes, I think that, and I, I tell potential clients this all the time. They say, well, you know, I would like to have a lawyer on board, but I don't want to go through this very lengthy litigation. And something that I say to them is, I think it's great to have a lawyer on board, um, but you're the client. So tell them exactly what you want to do. If you want to go to mediation and you want them to take you to a mediation, then tell them that. And it'll be for them to say, I'm not interested um, or whatever the reason is, or they'll take they'll take your case. But just as there's no one, um, you know, neutral who's right for every case, that there's no one lawyer who's right for every case. And so, if what you want is to go to a mediation, then um, I think that's an important discussion to have early on when you're talking about uh, choosing counsel. Yeah, I think 100%. And I liked when we were talking about before, um, getting some information and some knowledge and really learning the process before getting to mediation. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, we're getting we're getting separated and let's go to mediation. You, There is a process that needs to happen and there is some learning and preparation that needs to be done before you enter that process of mediation. So what do people typically need to do first to get prepared? So, you know, I'll go, I think, to the very, very basics, which are that you need to have the agreement of the person that you are divorcing. Mm -hmm. So um, mediation is voluntary and everybody has to decide. And there are some instances where you would be court ordered to mediation um, or something like that. But generally speaking, um, mediation is voluntary. So um, you need to have their agreement. And then 
I think it's very important to have a good understanding of your finances, the assets and debts in a situ- in your marriage. And um, one of the things that I require is that um, my clients agree and agree to provide full disclosure of all assets and debts, and we get it all out on the table. Um, and if I believe that that has not been done, I will terminate a mediation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, a good handle on the finances, a good understanding of what you want. And that's a very tricky Um, statement that I just made because good understanding of what you would like to see happen doesn't mean that you are not flexible in the approach of how you get there. And so for me, I think it's important to think through what you would like to see happen. Um, You know, one of the things that happens quite often is I will have somebody say, well, I want to keep the marital residence. And I'll say, okay, um, well, how are you going to afford that? I don't know. Well, how much does it cost to keep that property? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are questions that you need to answer for yourself, right? So if you want to keep the marital residence, then you need to think about how you're going to do that. If you yourself are not an employee or own your own business or don't have some other means of finances to take care of it, then you need to think about how that's going to happen. That's certainly a discussion that we're going to talk about. But if you don't even know how much it costs to maintain and run that property, um, which I do find more often than not, mm-hmm. then um, then you need to figure that out. And um, and we may be figuring that out through the mediation process. Um, typically, though, if you've come to me with counsel, they will have done their financial disclosures. That They'll know a lot of that ahead of time. But um, in this situation, this would be if you've come to me without counsel, then we're going to need to figure out all of that information. The other thing, too, you need to do to be prepared for mediation is to keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. And it's really that simple. Um, it's simple to say. It's very difficult to do. Um, and what I would all I would encourage people to seek comfort in friends and outside resources, but try not to say, "Well, my friend got divorced for you know a thousand dollars in a week." Um, right. <laughs> that may not be the situation. You know, every situation is very different, and so um, you know, trying to score your situation next to somebody else's or 10 other people's, you know, it can really just create a lot of um, anxiety and feeling that you're not getting things done right or things like that. So really allow space for your process to unfold. Yeah. And real, a lot of mismanaged expectations. You, know, you go in with these ideas or, or so-and-so got this out of their divorce or so-and-so got this. Well, you're not so-and-so. And so what is your situation? And I like how you said, you know, people need to come to mediation. And I think this is critical. You need to come with a very clear idea of your finances. And it, it, it's surpri- still, surpri- it's not surprising because I went down that path too. And I had no idea that I should get my finances in order first. Why don't we mediate? Sure. On what? I don't know on the house, but you do need to figure out what that all looks like black and white. Cause it's also, it's hard to argue with numbers that are on the table. You can't just say, well, you know, I want this much, but I don't know how much that that is or how much we have. So you, it's really hard to, to negotiate when you don't have clear numbers on the table. And I find that the more work, like you said, too, that goes into preparing for mediation, the work that you can do, you know, that's what I do with my clients as our coach, figuring out those numbers. What does that look like? Can you afford the house? What does the mortgage cost? Like, let's put that all out very clear. So by the time you get into mediation, you can say, oh yeah, I have those answers and I know what that is. 
it keeps your costs down too, because you're prepared and it gives you such this sense of empowerment when you know what you're going in for. And you kind of know, here's what we have. Here's, you know, what's on the table. And so now I can figure out where's my bottom line, first of all, and where are my wants and my needs and my nice to haves kind of thing. Right. No, I think that's, it's really powerful. You know, something that has stayed with me throughout my career um, is, is a saying that, you know, sometimes our desires um, outpace our um, resources. And so I think that's really important to think through when you are working to get prepared and to think about this. The other thing, you know, and, and I know that you talk about all facets of divorce and the things that may lead up to it um, or making decisions in any relationship. But so I do think it's important that maybe you're not considering divorce at this time. Maybe it's not even on the table for you. What I think is important though, is that you um, become an equal partner in your financial marriage. If these um, debts and um, assets are being acquired in your name, it's important to know the extent of what that looks like. Um, And I know that those are difficult conversations to have, but you know, that's also something that a mediator could help with. It could just help you by finding better ways to communicate, taking stale and stagnant conversations and injecting new life to them, making sure that they um, stay on topic and focused. Um, And so I do think that that, that is important, but to the extent that you find yourself in a situation where you don't fully know your finances, um, sometimes, when we talk about myths of mediation, people feel like that's just a way for somebody to their partner who is in the know to get one over on them. Mm-hmm. And I just have to say, not in my process and frankly, not in any process that I'm familiar with. Um, you know, I I know a lot of very well-respected and very great mediators who don't ever allow for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Mediation is about providing balance. So the, the, the alternative to that, I'm going to just be taken for a fool um, and taken advantage of is actually, this is an opportunity for you to um, learn more about what's going on and to have better control over that. Yeah. I love that. And to find that, to find that balance, I think that neutral person, you know, to be able to, you're not going against each other, but you're trying to find that, that middle ground between them. But that can be, like you said, really hard to do, you know, in my personal mediation situation, we tried to mediate for a day, but when you're up against someone who's literally not wanting to bend at all, that becomes a real challenge. You can't mediate something if no one's willing to compromise, you know, or one side's doing all the compromise and the other one's still deciding that they're going to stay exactly where they are. They came in this way and they left this way. So it was a kind of a waste of a day, but it was also a good experience to know, okay, this isn't going to be an easy negotiation here. Now I can set myself up for how am I going to proceed? So for you as a mediator, you know, what gets in the way sometimes with people to reach that resolution or what makes it difficult for people to, to, to mediate and to come to agreements? Sure. So I think that you've hit on a huge one, which is that somebody um, is not fully invested in the process. And so instead of trying to um, make agreements, what they're trying to do is win. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, in family law, generally speaking, even if you get all of the things you want, you're not a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I talk to clients early about that before they even end up retaining my services. I say, you know, look, this is not the time for you to try and maximize your um, what you would get if you want to talk about what you would get in court, if you want to be the quote winner, mediation is not the place for you. The other thing that, um, you know, can be very difficult is when, and it's, it's always a well-intentioned, um, attempt at trying to make some progress. Uh, but when, when clients start to make pre-mediation agreements that they feel pressured into, they haven't fully thought through, um, you know, a variety of things can go into those. And then in mediation, they start to retract those. They start to say, you know, yeah, I thought that maybe I could do this, but I can't. Something changed. I feel different about this situation. Whatever that is, that really is difficult. It's not impossible. But it's really difficult for for me then to come in and I have to replow this territory. And what happens is this very huge and meaningful erosion of trust because the party who thought that they had an agreement, they're going to say, wait a minute, but you told me that this is what you wanted to do. And now I don't feel like I can trust you. Mm -hmm. And it's a really powerful statement, you know, to be able to say that, but it has far reaching, um, you know, consequences. The other thing too, is that I think, you know, it's important to, again, we talk about who you surround yourself with. If you're surrounding yourself with somebody who has no real interest in seeing, um, that this be complete or done, but they have a mentality that they think you should fight. She's a busy girl. <laughs> that they, um, that is not somebody who I think is helpful to the mediation process. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do think that that is important to think about this team that you're building. And, um, you know, it can be a team of professionals or it can be a team of people that you value their opinion and you, um, you know, you really rely on them, but make sure that they're helping and not hurting. Yes. Oh, and you see that all the time. You know, people get so aligned with what they want to hear. They want to be able to feel supported in the you know, the fact that maybe they've been wronged in the marriage. I mean, a lot of our decision-making and and the reason that we're stuck and digging our heels in is because this is an emotional situation. We want some emotional justice here. And so we're not willing to really give in and look at this as, you know, this is a business transaction almost. And let's take ourselves out of this for a second and look at what the long-term benefit is for the kids. So yes, I see, I see a lot of people. I mean, we all do it at the beginning. We align ourselves with, with people who can support our victimization, right? Look what I'm going through. Can you believe it? Oh my God. You know, how, what should I do? And that's an, an fight, fight harder. And so that brings me down to another point, which I just thought of is, you know, in mediation, I have seen that people, take in another party with them. So a lawyer and maybe a parent or maybe a friend. And, you know, how do you operate in that? I personally don't think that's a fair situation, especially if you're both coming there with lawyers. I think that it should be very neutral because 
to me, and I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to me that changes hands to it's no longer my divorce. It's now my, my dad's divorce or my mom's divorce or my, or my best friend's divorce. You know, like I completely appreciate if they are trying to be a neutral party and maybe you're difficult and they're sort of their, your voice of reason. And so they can see that, you know, giving you some of that direction because they know that maybe you're having trouble with that. Um, but yeah, what are your views on that? Or do you see that often? You know, I see it occasionally, but it is something that comes up um, in other types of mediation. And, you know, my view is this for a family uh, case, I think it's important if that you be comfortable. So if that means that you have a support person who is with you and they can, um, you know, just be there to support or meaningfully contribute to the process. That's the thing that I'm looking for is, are you helping or are you hurting the situation? Mm -hmm. But I have been known to, and, um, and I'm quite comfortable with my decision to, I've asked people to leave. Um, because one of the things that you and I talked about offline was that, um, you know, really what's the role of the mediator? It's multifaceted, but part of that piece is that I'm in control of the process. Um, and so that is very Im important. And so if you are disrupting or making my process unproductive, then I don't, um, I don't look very favorably on that. So I want to make sure that that's there. So I try and balance that between getting a good process, making sure that people are staying uh, productive and um, that they're also comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's super important. Those are really good points to make for sure. Um, you mentioned as well before that mediation is a gentle alternative to litigation. So, you know, what do you mean by that? And can you kind of give us some examples of what you mean? Yeah. So I really, really appreciate this question because um, sometimes I think that when people hear that it's gentle, they think it's going to be without any hard emotions or right. conversations. And that's not true. Um, but it is gentle in the way that it is often less stressful. It doesn't mean it's stress-free, but it's often less stressful than I'm um, going through the litigation process. Um, it's gentle in the way that it brings control to you. So that also contributes to decreasing your stress. Um, I call them kind of the clowns in the closet. You know, the clowns in the closet get to come out and they have light on them because you're in control of that. Um, it's gentle in the way that it encourages um, collaboration and decision-making, mutual decision-making, which then oftentimes leads to, you know, sometimes clients come to me and they haven't separated. So they're living under the same roof with their children and they're going through this divorce process. Well, that can be very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. So we put some good framework in place, some good boundaries about how we're going to um, interact when we're at home. It gives you a space in the mediation is when you're going to be talking about the divorce. When you go home, you get to be mom and dad or whatever the situation is, right? And so I think that those are the things that I mean in terms of it being a gentle alternative to litigation, um, you know, rather than, you know, largely having that process be out of your control. Um, and, and I want to be sure that when we say out of your control, I don't mean that an attorney is going rogue and doing things that, that you don't want them to do, but they're guiding the process. They're talking with you about it, but you know, you get to be in all instances, you get to be uh, the decision maker, except for when you turn over control solely to the judge. 
Right. And that's, it's just a, such a different experience already. You know, it, it's not going to be, like you said, it's not an easy process. You're not going through mediation because you don't argue ever, or, you know, you're both agreeing on every single thing. It's not about that. You don't have to come to mediation in a situation where you're, you are in agreement. It's just, how are you going to get there? And the fact that you get to keep it within your own control and power, instead of leaving your entire future up to a third party who literally never has to live a day in your shoes. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I think too, some of that, you know, then ties into the, um, the communication modeling that happens in mediation. Um, when, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier is that mediation can take stale and stagnant conversations and inject um, new direction and sort of new life into them. And some of those things, the hope always is as the mediator that you're modeling good communication behavior and you're opening a channel for these parties to continue to um, work on their communication outside of the mediation that will help them post-divorce. Yeah. And I think also to choosing a mediator, you know, really getting a sense of who is going to work for you. Cause I know in my situation, we were basically like assigned a mediator because, you know, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so said it was a good one. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had no idea, you know, who this person was. And so you can go, you can go in, I think with different, um, different styles, the mediators all have their own styles, right. And some, some do think, Oh, these mediators are harder on women or these mediators are harder on men. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do you recommend that people go about even choosing one in the first place? Yeah, I think, and I get this question a lot. Um, For me, it's a series of factors that I think are important. I think overall, what you're looking for is somebody who's going to settle your case. Mm -hmm. So to that extent, I think that understanding their close rate, how many cases they successfully bring to resolution is important. Um, It's a question I'm always prepared to answer. It's not a question that I get very often. And so I think that increasing education around that is important. The other thing too is exactly the style of mediation that that particular neutral uses. There is facilitative mediation, there's transformative mediation, and there's um, an evaluative mediation. Hmm. Evaluative generally means that somebody is going to look at the strengths and weaknesses of your case and say, I think you have a good argument. I don't think you have a great argument. You know, they're really going to lean heavily into the law and those types of things. Facilitative really encourages, you know, this exchange of information and helps you come to an agreement, you know, based on um, learning new information. And so I think that uh, the style that you're looking for, let's say that you want somebody who's evaluative and you find somebody who's facilitative, you're going to be disappointed. Um, And, but, you know, I think the biggest piece of all is um, I do think recommendation comes, um, I think that's good. I think that comes Mm -hmm. into play. If you Mm -hmm. have friends or colleagues who have used this person and they've had a good outcome, I think that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, But the biggest piece of all is your comfort. You know, if I'm going to ask you to get to the heart of the issue and talk to me about um, these very difficult topics, you have to be comfortable with me and you have to feel like I've heard you and that I have um, everybody's best interests at heart and I'm not championing somebody's interest over the other. I mean, that's the core tenet of being a mediator is that there should be neutrality there. And, and frankly, there has to be. Yeah. So, and you aren't making the decisions, right? Like you are not telling them what they should are going to be doing. 
Absolutely not. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the options that are before us and saying, you know, in reality, what does this look like for you in your day to day life? You know, is it reasonable for you to say that you're going to be doing, um, you know, an exchange Christmas morning at 4 a.m. in the McDonald's parking lot? No, Mm -hmm. that's probably not that reasonable, but it Mm -hmm. may work, may work for you, but I want to explore that. Um, So, you know, I think that it's just it's important to look through those different pieces and make sure that that it's been properly reality tested, that you understand the consequences of the decision that you're making or the benefit of the decision that you're making. But no, I'm certainly not going to be making decisions for any mediation clients that is reserved for a different style of alternative dispute resolution, which is arbitration. And then sometimes that parenting coordinator role, the special master, and even those decisions are actually recommendations. Yeah. And that's a whole nother, I'd love to get into that on one episode with you too, in terms of what that is, because you don't hear that option very often in divorce arbitration instead of going to court. So that's a whole nother ballgame, which would be great to get into too, because we're all about education, educating and informing people of what are all these options and what's kind of in front of you that you get to choose from. That's kind of why we're here. That's why we're in this business, right? Right. So, you know, if someone's considering divorce and would like to learn more about mediation, what would you recommend? Um, I would recommend that they reach out to a neutral. Um, I generally will talk to clients, uh, potential clients um, for free. So I'll answer questions about my process, the mediation process, things like that. I think the internet to a certain extent can be a a good resource um, if you're just preliminarily gathering information. Um, But, you know, frankly, um, I think reaching out to a divorce coach is really valuable. Thanks. So yeah, so I think that that's a great place um, to start. And then of course, you know, always reach out to to a lawyer and say, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking about. What mm-hmm. can you tell me about mediation? It's not uncommon for me to get um, for me to get calls from a lawyer who said, you know, this person wants to get a divorce. Um, they were interested in mediation, so I'm sending them to you. Um, totally. Yeah. You know, and then usually they end up retaining that lawyer. And um, that lawyer sometimes will say, okay, we'll go to mediation with Courtney. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, it is. And Um, I think like, and even making those calls, because it is super overwhelming at the beginning, figuring out who's going to be my professionals. And like, that's what I do with my clients too, is I say, Hey, I've got Courtney as a mediator, you know, let's get on a call with her and let's get an idea of, you know, how you connect with her and I'll sit and I'll listen, I'll take notes. And then they can ask questions and feel like, Oh, I didn't have to go outsource all these new people. And clearly she's been vetted by you and, 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 you know, has a relationship already. Cause I'd never refer anyone to anyone I haven't met and actually, you know, had right. conversations to make sure we're aligned. But I think that that's super, you know, helpful because it's, it is super overwhelming. So before we wrap up, I want to say thank you so much, so much for being here. Cause I always love having conversations with you. And I feel like you and I could talk all day long we could. about this, <laughs> but before we go, tell people where they can find you. Oh, well, um, they can find me at um, ADR Partners. The web address is www.adrpnv.com, or they can reach me by um, email. My email is cyoung at adrpnv.com, and um, my phone number is 775-305-0691. 
And I think, um, you know, I do, I do want to thank you so much for giving me space to talk to you about this. It's, I really enjoy my time with you. Um, I guess my last piece of advice to anybody who is looking to start this process is just to start, just do something. Yeah. So it just doesn't have to be that. super complicated or overthought, but just start. Exactly. And there are people like you out there and myself for them to get this process started. So thank you so much. You're always such a wealth of knowledge. I hope that everyone took at least something away from today that you found powerful and useful in either your situation. And if not yours, then maybe for a friend. And if you missed the live show, please tune in on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are broadcast and look for Divorce Redefined and you will find today's episode. So thank you so much, Courtney. Um, and I look forward to seeing everyone here on the show again next week. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.